Hello, and welcome to the CBC The Rim podcast. CBC The Rim is a church in San Antonio, Texas. Due to COVID-19, our gatherings look a little different right now, but we encourage you to make space to lean in and listen to what God wants to say to you. We also encourage you to participate as you listen. We hope you enjoy the message. What's up, CBC, The Rim family and friends? We are so glad that you are joining us today. Uh, Happy 4th of July weekend. I hope that uh, this weekend maybe you had a chance to rest a little bit, maybe barbecue uh, outside um, in a park, maybe if they're even open this weekend. But uh, we just want to say, hey, we love you, church, and we are so grateful to be in this very strange and weird journey together. And I I just want to take a moment and just shout out to so many of our house church leaders uh, that even with COVID and restrictions and trying to get creative, and we've heard about many of you guys doing Zoom living rooms uh, and, you know, participating in the gathering on Zoom calls. And uh, we're just so proud of you guys for how innovative you're getting and building community and seeking to be the church. And uh, we just love you guys so much. Well, today we have uh, an incredible opportunity. Uh, you're not going to get to hear from me, and so uh, don't don't clap too much. Uh, but today we get to hear from Austin Johnson, who is on staff here. And Austin and I, we got to meet, uh, gosh, about two years ago uh, at Liberty University and hired him to come I was a resident and then has done a phenomenal job for CBC The Rim as our director of house churches and just an incredibly talented young man. And I'm really excited, Austin, about what God has put on your heart and you sharing. And so I'd love to just pray for you. And then I'm going to slide out and I'm going to be taking notes alongside of you. But church, um, here's why we do this. We want to always be uh, a church that raises up the next generation of leaders. It is one of our core practices that we multiply everything, including leaders. And so today we have this huge opportunity to get to hear from Austin. So I need you to do me a favor in the chat. If you have Austin's cell phone after the gathering, you make sure that you text him and you encourage and breathe life into him because it's a lot harder doing this than most people realize. So I want to pray and then it's all yours, buddy. Proud of you. So... Well, Jesus, um, today I pray that you would use Austin in a mighty way. God, I know that there's something that you've put on his heart, and um, it has been been percolating and marinating for, man, a few weeks. And God, I just, I'm excited to get to hear uh, what you have to say through him. And God, I know that you're going to convict my heart and you're going to push me uh, to be just a little bit closer to you. And so use your servant, Austin pray that he would bless our church. I pray that our church would get behind him and be wind in his sails and that you would just use him in a really sweet way. And God, right now for all of those that are, man, watching and participating online, I pray that your spirit would invade the space that they're in right now and that you would speak to every heart. I pray that you'd open the eyes of their heart, the ears of their heart, to be able to hear and see from you in a fresh new way. And so we don't love doing this virtually, but God, we still believe that you're in control and we're excited. So we love you. We trust you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Drew, thank you so much for the opportunity to open up God's word today. And as we're in the final 
session of our series, Church in the Wild. Pastor Drew, I guess you wanted to kick it to me, self-control, the last fruit of the Spirit, typically because it has to do with sex. And so you kick it to the newly married guy to see if he could figure it out. But really, I'm really excited to jump in today and want to start our conversation with this last fruit of the Spirit by asking a question. So wherever you are, I want you to honestly evaluate your heart of do you take pleasure in Jesus? Do you take pleasure in Jesus? So we're going to come back to that a little bit later as we talk about self-control. But one last time, let's jump into Galatians 5, 22 and 23 and see the fruit of the Spirit. So here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So for us, as we look at the last fruit of the Spirit, I think Paul's very intentional to put self-control as last. Because I would say self-control actually creates the context that we can experience the other fruit together. Without self-control, people can't actually see our love on display. If we're doing one thing one day and another thing the next day, we actually can't represent the rest of the fruit. So as we think about self-control, this is going to be our working definition. Self-control is the ability to say no to something present so you can say yes to something that's promised. It's saying no to something that's present so you can say yes to something that is promised. So I don't know if you're familiar with the marshmallow experiment from several years ago, but essentially you would put a marshmallow in front of a kid and you would tell them, okay, you, this marshmallow is yours. You can eat this marshmallow whenever you want. But I'm going to go away for 15 minutes and when I come back, if you can operate in self-control and say no to eating the marshmallow right now, then I'm going to give you a second marshmallow as well. So you can actually enjoy both of them. So the, this kid is this sense of they're saying no to something present, the one marshmallow, so they can say yes to that which is promised, the second marshmallow. So being in summer, maybe what you're saying no to right now, maybe it's that extra cookie so you can get that beach body. Or maybe that's saying no to a career jump so you can prioritize time with your family. Maybe it's saying no to something that's preventing you from being who you think you've been called to be. But it's this sense of I'm saying no to something now so I can say yes to something later and actually say yes to something that's better. Not just later, but better. So this leads us to point number one, and that is the reason for self-control. That's the reason for self-control. So remember our first question, do you take pleasure in Jesus? Do you take pleasure in him? Because if we're being totally honest, if I'm being totally honest, the answer to that question is oftentimes no. Like I know I'm supposed to enjoy Jesus. I know I'm supposed to be growing in my relationship with him. But if I'm honest, I don't always enjoy him. I think we haven't actually experienced Jesus being better. We've heard it, but we've never actually experienced it, if we're being honest. So I would say this is where self-control enters the picture. If self-control is saying no to something present, to say yes to something that's promised, then self-control 
saying no to something that we may want to do actually creates a space and a place for us to be able to experience more of Jesus. We're saying no to something so we can say yes to something greater. Peter actually writes about this in 1 Peter 4. So listen to what he says about the reason for self-control. He also lists some things that typically we want to operate in self-control in. This is what he says. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, this is 1 Peter 4, 1 through 7, if, if you're following along. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Now watch this. This is what we're supposed to be operating in self-control from. For the time is past, it's done, it's over, for doing what the Gentiles, that is those who don't know God, want to do. That's living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they're surprised when you don't join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Now watch this. This is where it really comes together. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Hello, your prayers. The reason that you should be self-controlled and sober-minded is for your prayers. So for us to actually take that out a little bit, when we think about prayer, that's intimacy with Jesus. That's the reason we want to be self-controlled and sober-minded is that we might be able to have a space to be intimate with Jesus. As a church, this is why we talk about we want to be anchored in Scripture because we want to be able to have a space where we're anchored and we're rooted and we're with Jesus. Now, I just got married to my wife, Sarah, a couple months ago, and I've been learning about self-control looking backwards that I intentionally say no to a lot of things so I can say yes to my wife. I say no to hanging out to a lot of people so I can say yes to hanging out with my wife. I remember when we first started dating, I remember our first date, we we're gonna go play pickleball together. And the night before, I was at UTSA with some of our college kids playing basketball. Now, I'm not a great basketball player, but as I came down from shooting a shot, I broke my foot. So this is the day before my first date with my now wife. There was no way I was gonna let that pain keep me from being with my girlfriend, or hope to be girlfriend. There was no way. I was gonna say no to the pain so that I could go and have a space and place to get to know her and to be intimate with her emotionally and begin to form a relationship. And so as we think about this, scripture actually has a word. So I want you to think real quick, to the first time you started dating, or a time or a place where you like you really wanted to pursue something or someone. And scripture actually has a word for that. It's called phileo. It's this affection, it's this love. It's, man, I just want more and more and more of it. Where with my wife, I wanted to be with her. And so I sacrificed everything I could to spend more time with her. And so I think that type of intimacy 
That's what Jesus wants. Not just as knowing about him, just spending time with him from a distance, but that we be self-controlled and so we're minded for the sake of our prayers for intimacy with him. So we talk about this question, are you pleased with Jesus? So many of us believe in our minds that Jesus is better. But if I'm honest, I think if we're honest, the reality is I don't know if we fully experienced Jesus as being better. I say it, but do I actually have experienced it? I think for many of us, there's not actually a place in our lives to find out if it's true. So self-control comes in to help create that space. We're saying no to something present so we can say yes to something that's promised. So we're gonna give you two minutes in your home, your living room, by yourself, a journal. I just want you to think back on the last time you had that kind of puppy love, that phileo type of love, where you just remember wanting and desiring something. There's this affection that you're willing to do whatever it took to get there. So wherever you are, journal about it, discuss it, and we'll see you in just a couple moments. So as we're talking about this filial love, this man, we want to love Jesus, this affection. Like, I, I just want to get rid of everything to love Jesus. If we're honest, the reason why we don't experience it is it's a lot easier said than done. So this brings us to point number two, which is the reality of self-control. The reality of self-control. And the reality for many of us is we know we're supposed to look more like Jesus today than we, do, than we did yesterday. Like I know that I'm supposed to be growing and looking more like Jesus, but the reality is that there's a battle waging war inside of us. This battle between a divided self and we don't know how to fight. We don't know how to take our, our, our desires and our urges and our passions captive. We don't know how to surrender those over and so it's a lot easier said than done. And for a lot of us, we feel alone. We're the only ones still struggling with something. We're the, well, like, I should be past this by now. There's something that I'm wrestling with that I've been walking with Jesus for three, six, seven years and I'm still wrestling and I feel alone. But the good news is that you're not alone. The reality of self-control, that we oftentimes don't have self-control, it's not just a you issue. It's an us, us issue. So we look at the Apostle Paul actually talks about this in Romans 7. Listen to Paul. Okay, this guy wrote half the New Testament. This is what he said about his wrestle with his flesh for the battle inside of him. He says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not, for I do what I want. For I do not do what I want, by, but I do the very thing I hate. Listen to what he says, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. There's a battle, there's a wrestle. For I do not do the good I want. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do 
what I do not want. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So brother or sister, wherever you are, you're not alone. You wrestle this battle. You are not alone. And this is where we as a church, this is why we want to build family so we can go through this journey together. Where you are not alone. We were created to do this life alone. You are not stuck because the promise is that he who began a good work in you, that is Jesus, will carry it on to completion. And that's where self-control is. It may not happen in the present, right now, today, but there's a promise that he is working in your life and he is moving. Now, self-control, I want us to think about, it's the reality of it, typically plays out in three ways in our lives. That is in our hearts, in our minds, and in our bodies. The reality plays itself out in our hearts, our minds, and our bodies. It plays itself out in our hearts because we often don't actually love the things of God. Proverbs would say it's out of the overflow of our heart the mouth speaks. I don't know if you've ever met that one Dallas Cowboys fan who always talks about the Dallas Cowboys. Somehow, every conversation, he's talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Why? Because he loves them. This affection, that phileo love that we're talking about, it's it's propelling him in a direction that that's where his life is moving. So if we're honest, I think that even in this season, I found myself talking more about the NBA startup again than about Jesus. Like my affection is actually, what what my actions are showing me is I actually care about this oftentimes more than I care about Jesus. So we have to begin to operate in self-control in our heart. And let me just say this, the way to see your heart is to look at your actions. Your actions reveal what you actually care about. It reveals what you actually ascribe value to because our affections direct us to our actions. But we don't just see self-control in our hearts. We see it in our minds. Our minds don't often think about the things of God because oftentimes we get caught up being anxious about tomorrow. I know what scripture says, don't be anxious about tomorrow, but I still live in this world where I'm anxious. There's depression. There's moments where that work situation, that conflict with a friend is playing over and over and over in my mind and I just can't get it to stop. So we wanna learn how do we actually have self-control in our minds. Self-control, it's often described as sober-mindedness. That is the ability to be in control of your thoughts and your judgments. I think scripture actually speaks to this in Philippians 4. This is really good news for those of us who wrestle with anxiety and depression. Listen to what it says. Philippians 4, it says, The Lord is at hand, so don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And this is the promise. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It will guard, the peace of God will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. And so then it goes on to say, finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's anything excellent or worthy of praise, these are the types of things you should be thinking about. This is the good news that Jesus is working in our minds. There is hope. The promise is that if we run to Jesus, that he wants to renew our minds. But I just want to say this as an aside. 
for many of us, this self-control of our minds, it's, it's not just a spiritual issue. Like for many of us, it may be a, a biological or a genetic issue. Where if you're wrestling with anxiety, depression, bipolarism, ADD, ADHD, the list goes on. But there may actually be something where you can't get a grip on it just through praying. And we believe prayer is primary, but that may not be the only solution. So I just want to say this. You should feel no shame. No shame if that's you or if that's me. Because the reality is we are fallen beings fallen creatures. God designed our minds to be healthy. And so for us, we want to be able to take advantage of the resources he's, resources he's given us. So if that's going and seeing a counselor or talking to somebody, that's okay because healing is available. So don't feel ashamed if that's you because we want to tend to both our minds, our hearts, and our bodies. And our bodies leads us to this last reality of self-control. Self-control in your body, it's the ability to say no when your body says yes, when your urges, your flesh says yes. It's like the marshmallow. And so you can actually say no to what's present because you believe in what's coming and what's promised. It's maybe it's not having that extra beer. Maybe it's not looking at something inappropriate on your phone. Maybe in the summer, it's not eating that extra cookie or the extra plate of food. It's the urges of your body being denied so that you can experience a deeper connection with Christ. This is the beauty of fasting as a church. But when we fast, it cultivates our desires and our bodies. We are intentionally saying no to something so we can say yes to something better. We're retraining ourselves, reorienting ourselves. So this is going to lead us to our, our next question to discuss in our homes or in our journals. And that's this. Which reality of self-control is most prevalent in your life? Heart, mind, or body? And why is that? So go ahead, share with those around you or in your journal and process what that means. We'll see you soon. So I want you to think about a time that you failed. That is a time that you tried over and over and over and over again, but you could never succeed. And for many of us, I think this is how we think of self-control. It's like this Mount Everest that we can never quite summit. We can never quite get over. And as soon as we achieve some form of success, we get knocked down. We get knocked back. We probably feel like we can never do enough. We've tried going to that class. I've tried talking to this person. I just feel like I can never actually do it. I can't control what's going on in my heart, my mind, my body. I can't do it. But the good news of the gospel is that our solution to self-control isn't about our performance, but it's about our proximity. It's not about our performance, it's about our proximity. Watch this, Matthew 4, Jesus exhibits self-control, but we're gonna look at the reason for how he did this. Matthew chapter four, starting verse one, it says this. 
Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he goes on, and he operates in self-control in another two instances. But I want us to hone in on verse 2. Look at what it says. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. So this story begins with Jesus being filled up. He's been in proximity to the Father. The self-control is an overflow of his proximity. The performance comes because of his proximity to the Father. So self-control, it's not just about waking up one day and trying harder and doing better. That's the opposite of the gospel. It's not bare-knuckling it and just trying, 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 trying. That's the opposite of the gospel. It's not you're, trying, you're a good person trying to get better. The good news or the bad news is that we are dead and it gets really good because Jesus wants to make us alive. And it's about proximity. It's almost like, I don't know if you've been to Target recently or Walmart, if you've been brave enough to venture out, but when you go to that automatic door, it doesn't open until you get close to it, until you come into proximity with it. As long as I stay distant, nothing's gonna happen. I'm trying, I, I can try and think about it and make it open, but nothing is going to happen. It's all about my proximity. So the gospel is not that we are bad people trying to become good or good people becoming better. It's that we're dead people trying to be made alive. So remember, the self-control isn't our fruit. It's the Holy Spirit. He produces it in us. It's a miracle he produces. The Spirit produces the miracle while we get to walk in the miracle. You don't need to muster your own strength to have self-control because we find it in the strength of another. That is in the person of Jesus. So I'll say this, the the Christian self-control, it's not about bringing and white-knuckling your passions and emotions. For us, we actually have to shift. As we're in proximity, it moves from self-control to Christ-control. That as Scripture would tell us in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, that the love of Christ controls us. That our proximity, our, this phileo, like as we're pursuing just this relationship, just like I pursued my wife, like I just want to be with you and spend time with you and develop a relationship with you. As we do that, the love of Christ begins to control us. It's about our proximity, not about our performance. Jesus lived this life perfectly. Like, I mean, this dude, he stayed the course even when sweat came down like drops of blood. You talk about self-control. When people were attacking him when he was innocent, when he's hanging on the cross, he operated in self-control. And that same power of Jesus who came and lived a perfect life died our death that we deserved. He came back to life promising that if we enter into a relationship that is proximity with him, we don't have to perform anymore. That's the power that's available to us, but it all starts with your proximity to the source. So for you, if if you feel like you've just been trying harder, you've never actually known the source. Like maybe even, I've never actually known Jesus is better. I've been coming to church a long time, but this paleo type love you're talking about, I don't know it. 
There's an opportunity for us right now to get to begin to experience it. So whether you don't know peace, you don't know, you've just been trying to white knuckle this this whole time, you can give it over and move from self-control to Christ's control. For others of us, maybe we need to just say, Jesus, I'm willing to say no to social media so I can say yes to you, so I can create a space to be more intimate with you. So we're gonna pray for two, two things. We're gonna pray, first of all, for those of us who may need to say yes to Jesus and actually experience his life, that you would accept him and be raised to life in his resurrection and his beauty and actually get to experience him for the first time. For the rest of us, we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask that Jesus, would you restore us? So let's pray. Wherever you are, you can pray out loud. Jesus, I'm broken. And if I'm honest, I don't always love you. I don't always enjoy you, but I want to. So would you rescue me? Would you save me from my performance? And would you bring me into proximity with you? I give you everything I have. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have one more component we're gonna do here. We're gonna kick it back to your homes and take 120 seconds. Just ask yourself these two questions. What is God saying to you? And what are you gonna do about it? Thank you for listening to the CBC The Rim podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you want to learn more about CBC The Rim, such as our online gathering times, you can find us at cbctherim.com or on Instagram and Facebook at CBC The Rim. We hope to see you soon.